Welcome back to another episode of Real Estate Investing Unscripted. I am your co-host, Brendan Bennett, VP of Revenue at Fund That Flip. And with me is your other co-host, David Dugan, Regional Sales Director, also at Fund That Flip. What's up, David? Uh, another day, Brendan. Things are uh, things are peachy on the, the FTF front. Back in the saddle, back in the in-office studio here for the, the next iteration of Real Estate Investing Unscripted and uh, excited to bring our guest on. So should we should we get it underway? We're ready, man. We have a really exciting topic today. It's been a hot button in the real estate space, the midterm rental market. We're bringing one of the industry experts right to you guys. So without further ado, let's bring him in. We have Brian Payne coming on the pod to join us today. He is the co-founder and CEO of Furnish Finder. Furnish Finder is an online platform for real estate investors to list their furnished properties to capture midterm tenants. So for those of you that are uh, are looking to explore that midterm rental space, he's going to be a great resource and uh, full of great information. So Brian, welcome to the podcast. Happy to have you on. Gentlemen, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Love what you guys do. Awesome. Appreciate it, Brian. Yeah, I uh, I sent Brian a rogue DM on LinkedIn. He was gracious enough to respond. So thank you for uh, for reaching back out and allow us to get you on the pod and talk about what a lot of our investors in, in our wheelhouse and I think just in the real estate investing space at large are starting to get really turned on to is this, this midterm rental space. So if you wouldn't mind just to, to kick it off for the listeners, can you talk a little bit more about Furnish Finders, the fundamentals of the, the midterm rental sure. space and maybe how you got into it. Uh, yeah. Uh, so obviously, uh, STRs are nothing new for real estate investors. And short-term rentals are killing it, uh, especially over the last two years. Um, it's been kind of autopilot for short-term rental hosts. But things are changing a, a little bit now. We're in 2023, and it's, um, you know, kind of things are changing a bit. And uh, hosts are seeing you know, just different outcomes. So we're here to talk about that. So shifting briefly, Furnish Finder is an online marketplace. And and so landlords come and when they're looking for maybe instead of a vacationer staying for, you know, a few nights or a week, uh, maybe they're looking for a traveling professional that's staying for three to six months at a time. It is a, it's just another option for tenants to fill, you know, and to increase occupancy into your furnished rental. And we'll go into different strategies. So Brian, curious, how, how does one get into the midterm rental marketplace? Uh, it, it seems like a very niche topic, very specific area of real estate. How did you find yourself into a co-founder position with Furnish Finder? Okay. So yeah, going back to say 2012, 2014, the company was founded in 2014 and I was looking for an option. I was working as a rep for Boston Scientific, which is a great company, but I had a lot of access to healthcare travelers. I was also a landlord. So it was kind of interesting where we're doing late cases in the cath lab, ER, OR, and then we're, I'm also renting to them as well. Also, it was a great place to find tenants as well. Some people would just shack up in a hotel and I go, really? Oh, come on. You don't have to shack up in a hotel. I've got a great uh, two bedroom, one bath waiting for you. You can move in tonight. So um, yeah, self-serving, but um, was definitely able to find a lot of uh, tenants that way. So that was us. That was who we were. Uh, of course, we did Airbnb and VRBO early on, but our focus was always the monthly traveler because I had a job, right? So for us, it was the uh, the sweet spot. And then it evolved from there. We said, well, you know, okay, great. We've got 12 units. 
We were in California, Texas, primarily, and it was going great. But you're only, you know, uh, for for us, it was like, hey, there's a bigger play here. And so we decided to kind of take our stab at building a platform specifically for midterm rentals because we figured, hey, if people like us, landlords like us, were really interested in trying to find this type of tenant, there had to have been a lot of others. So that makes a ton of sense. Who do you find is like, what's what's the biggest growing segment of that midterm rental market, right? I think you mentioned kind of the travel nurse, the travel healthcare professional. Are you finding that, you know, as there are more of these midterm rentals becoming available, that more people are catching on with some of these travel jobs, some of these careers that require, you know, maybe contract work, stays in a certain area for three to six months. Are you seeing some of those professions turn more toward the the midterm rental and and this kind of gaining steam? Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. I mean, healthcare has, we hitched our wagon early to healthcare and because that's what we knew. And then as we started to get more popular and higher SEO ranking and such, we just had a lot of other industries track us down and say, hey, we want to use your inventory too. Hey, can we use your inventory? Um, and so healthcare travelers are now, uh, although they're increasing more than ever, only about half of our our uh, traveler volume. And the other half is, you know, I would say uh, like real estate. It could be uh, a buyer or a seller. It could be a relocation, right? It could be somebody that's building a property and needs a place for three to six months, Obviously, digital nomads. Digital nomads are have increased even since last year. It's up over a hundred percent over uh, from 2019. Uh, like 17 million people in the United States, you know, identify as a digital nomad. So that is um, another increasing tenant population that's kind of filling the funnels here at Furnish Finder. We have everybody else, like you'd mentioned, engineers, contractors professors, I, you know, uh, anybody who's looking for a monthly furnished rental are usually ending up on Furnish Finder. I'm curious about that term you use because I haven't heard it before. Digital nomad. What is that? Yeah. Is a that? Digital nomad. I would imagine. I mean, you mentioned, hey, we're back in the office, but if you're like anybody else that, you know, the office term could mean, um, hey, you're back at your home office. So there are a ton of people that are working remotely and ever since, uh, even before the pandemic, but even now it's just more widely accepted. So companies are being forced with the conundrum of saying, hey, either we need to get on board and adopt a remote work slash digital nomad program, or we might be missing out on some of the top talent. Because the, the, mind, the mindset of the employee has changed. And really, they're holding a lot of cards. And a lot of people are saying, I will only work remotely. You know, we proved it during the pandemic that we could grow our business remotely. Furnish Finder is a 100% remote company. And we grew leaps and bounds 4X in 2022. And we're 100% remote with over 125 people. So it can be done. Uh, people are out there. I believe you guys are primarily remote too, right? A large portion of our technology and product team are remote, and we have a good chunk of our staff also in Cleveland. But I think to your point, Brian, we're seeing that in the post-COVID era, the remote work, people who maybe have 
California-based company jobs that are making California salaries that may live in a Midwest city. And to your point, are traveling around uh, state to state and are staying in different furnished rentals or uh, long-term rentals just to kind of explore while they're they're working. They're also buying too. Like a quarter of the home buyers that were relocating last year in 2022, well, Q4 2022, they were inspired by remote work possibilities. You know, they're, they're doing it because of relocation. It, it may start at the, the buy-in, but it's definitely trickling down to rentals and furnished rentals, of course. In addition to the healthcare space and also the more working professional space, one other segment that I've noticed, and I'm curious to get your take on this, Brian, if you guys have seen this as well, are interns. I've actually had quite a few people reach out on one of an, uh, an Airbnb that I have in Cleveland that said, hey, wondering if maybe your Airbnb is a little bit slower because it's winter in Cleveland and not many people want to come here during that time. And we have people that have internships at some of the local companies and workforces nearby. They're not looking to move into a space and spend five to 10 grand to get a a couch, a TV, a bed, all these things. So we're seeing that as a population as well. And I'm sure that's much more popular in the summer months when internships tend to spike. Do you guys see that as a segment of client base on on Furnish Finder? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, we, we truly have it all when it comes to interns or students or, you know, whatever reason could be military. Again, relocation for whatever reason. Relocation is kind of the arching uh, term, but yeah, sure. whatever is bringing you to Cleveland, KC, Nashville, San Jose, wherever, at that point, you're going to need to find a place to live. So yeah, I mean, IT is different. Like, yeah, obviously, there's been a lot of IT layoffs. And, you know, some of those interns are maybe forced with getting a new job or such. But, you know, that's real kind of a a short term uh, pain point in IT. But overall, you know, monthly furnished housing, the demand has never been higher. And you mentioned something about, hey, you know, maybe we're slower. We're in the we're in the off season, shoulder season, something like that. Um, I think Airbnb hosts are uh, are really have to look at things a little bit differently here in 2023, and maybe do things a little bit differently because their inventory on our platform and other platforms, including Airbnb, especially Airbnb is off the charts. So you're competing against all other, uh, all this new inventory. So if you're going to do the same thing you did last year, it may not yield the same type of results. So, you know, we're recommending, Hey, diversify a little bit. And we're one of those options for landlords to diversify. Like you don't have to run back to the 12 month unfurnished, mm-hmm. You know, there's an option. And, you know, in addition to the competition, you know, I think that's definitely on the host's mind about, hey, there's a ton of competition in my area. How am I going to stand out? And, you know, how am I going to operate differently? What am I going to do differently in in a downturn? But the other thing is... What about all the short-term rental regulations that are popping up? I mean, if you've got a Google alert for short-term rental, you're going to see every week, if not more, you're going to see a new city enacted a a new rule um, that is just making it more difficult on uh, short-term rental hosts. So at some point, we're we're saying, hey, again, don't you don't have to tuck your tail. And run back to the 12-month unfurnished model. 
you know, you can just list on a midterm rental platform like Furnish Finder, and you can get these types of travelers that are that are looking to stay for months on end. And there's really nothing else you really need to do because your property's already furnished. Yeah. It's already ready. Say you're already operating as a short-term rental host, or maybe you're just looking to get into midterm rentals to begin with. Again, for us, it was the sweet spot, you know, simply because yeah. they're staying for 90 days at a time, 120 days at a time. That means I only need to get my cleaning crew in there three to four times a year. That's fantastic, you know, in terms of quality of life. So, Brian, I've got a question about that. Do you find that the localities are getting smart on differentiating between a short-term rental and a mid-term rental? Or do you find that some of your clients, some of the landlords that are in these mid-term rentals are, are facing a hard time from some of these, these local government bodies on like, hey, we're, we're kind of lumping you into that short-term rental category, even though you're in that 30 to 90-day space or, or longer? Um, what do you see in there? Yeah, I mean, I would, I can't speak for every or every area, but traditionally, what I'm seeing is they're defining short-term rentals as 30 days or less. Primarily, you know, you're looking to list on Furnish Finder because you're looking to grab a tenant that is looking to stay one, three, six months at a time. So it really it lends a little bit closer to the long-term rental in terms of regulations where there pretty much isn't any, right? Um, as opposed to short-term. So I think, and feel free to prove me wrong, I'd love to see case studies, but our business model primarily allows you to circumvent a lot of those short-term rental regulations. The Real Estate Investing Unscripted Podcast is brought to you by FlipperForce. Tired of using spreadsheets to manage your projects? Looking for a system to consistently track your deals? FlipperForce is an all-in-one platform that helps real estate investors successfully run their businesses. Whether you're working on rehabs, new construction, or rentals, FlipperForce has the tools you need to analyze deals, estimate rehab costs, create project schedules, and track project expenses easily and on the go. Sign up for a free trial at FlipperForce.com today. That's FlipperForce.com. Brian, question on the economics of short-term versus mid-term versus long-term, because we probably have a good chunk of our borrowers listening right now that are saying, hey, I'm a 12-month-only landlord, or hey, I'm an Airbnb-only landlord short-term. In my mind, there's there's a continuum of profit and effort, and I think that these three categories kind of fall on that continuum. You have Airbnb that's a little bit higher on the effort side, like you mentioned, higher turnover every two to seven days but there's higher profit because you're able to charge a premium for nightly rate. Long-term is on the flip side. You have to turn it over once a year. You have a couple of maintenance calls, maybe once a quarter, depending on the condition of the property, but your profit's much lower just given that it's a more market rent for the area. I think where Furnish Finder and the midterm rental space, aside from the regulation side where it strikes that sweet spot, is it's a slightly lower effort than an Airbnb. It's a little bit higher effort than a long-term, but I think that that ROI from a profit perspective is what makes it worth their while. Can you speak to that a little bit more for some of the people listening? Jeez, I mean, you pretty much nailed it. Um, <laughs> it it's, it's exactly that. Like It could be that sweet spot in terms of your lifestyle, meaning you don't want to run your, your house, your property, your back house. Uh, maybe you've got 10, 15 units like, like I did. 
maybe you don't want to run them like a hotel. Uh, obviously, right. at that point, you're going to have higher wear and tear. You're going to have more uh, maintenance requests, uh, things like that. Also, you may get slapped with, hey, guess what? HOA just passed a new regulation or your city is now requiring you to get registered and there are there's a moratorium on short-term rental licenses until 2024. It's like, okay, what do you do? So yeah, that's why we feel that you know there's just a lot of external f- factors that are pushing a lot of landlords towards the midterm rental. So yeah, I mean, and if you're a long-term landlord, we work with tons of major property managers, apartment complexes that were before they were saying, well, maybe I'm only going to have 5% um, set aside for furnished rentals. Now they're in a position to say, you know, we're, we're increasing that to up to 20, 25% or more. There are, people are getting very, very aggressive in terms of the percentage of properties that they're allotting for furnished for the very reason that you'd mentioned that, look, you're going to get more, probably one, one and a half more than if you would rent it as a 12-month unfurnished. Mm -hmm. I love what you said about the diversification piece. I think that a lot of our borrowers and and real estate investors in general, they're always looking. They have a special area that they focus that their skill set is strongest at. But they tend to have these different side pots just to make sure that if one one area goes to hell in a handbasket, they have some different strategies already at play. So I think to your point, if, if you're an investor out there either doing fixed to rent or you're doing... Uh, turnkey acquisitions on new construction, having that midterm rental strategy as a weapon in your tool belt that you can put to work in the event that your local jurisdiction says, hey, Airbnb, no longer possible. And maybe you bought that property at too high of a price point mm-hmm. where the long-term rent won't cover your debt service a very and make you the profit that you want. Yeah, excellent point. Excellent point. I love the analogy of the tool in the toolbox, right? Every investor wants to get in there and even though they may say, no, I'm going to flip it, or I'm going to mm-hmm. um, do this, or I'm going to do that, things can change. It's great to have uh, another option in your tool belt. I'm curious to hear from both of you kind of just just the market take on these, and, and I'll add some context there. So I think to, to most people that don't live and breathe the real estate space every day, like like the three of us, this is a relatively new concept, right? Even to some real estate investors, it's it's kind of new in the grand scheme of things. Like even I, it's probably, you know, a couple of years ago, I found out this was a thing. Brendan's obviously done his homework. I know he's read at least one book cover to cover on this, probably more, right? But I feel like we're in the midst of that kind of hockey stick growth pattern for midterm rentals. And, and I, I I see it going up for all the reasons that both of you have touched on, but like, what is your longer term predictions on, on where the midterm rental space goes? Like, do you think this starts to overtake the short term rental space? You know, what factors do you see playing in, whether it's economic conditions, the employment patterns, those sort of things? Obviously regulation would be probably a a fear there, but I just don't see it uh, because as I think about 3%, as many articles as you see and as many cities that are coming on with new regulations for short-term rentals, it's really only about 3% of U.S. cities. So I think there's a lot of, I wouldn't want to say opportunity there, but I think there's a lot of room for regulation 
to grow in maybe some of the the non-traditional cities. So yeah, I mean that I, I do worry a little bit about that on the short-term rental side. Yes, it's an emerging market, um, but again, it's nothing new because it kind of works as a 12-month rental. So, um, and I'll explain. So, as a landlord, you're uh, that's going to rent a property to say a family that's in between houses. They're going to want it for six months, three or six months. You're going to still want to know who they are, right? You're going to probably still want to rent uh, to run a background check. Uh, you're going to definitely want to put them into a lease. So while short-term rentals is you know pretty much book with book anybody with a credit card, I don't you know you don't probably want to adopt that type of uh, strategy with a midterm rental. So you know it does operate a little bit more like a, a 12 month month rental in terms of protection for the landlord and even the, the the tenant as well. Yeah. And just to add on that a little bit, David, I think Brian already alluded to it earlier, but Airbnb has been around for a while. The short-term rental space has been around for a while, but it really, really caught fire a couple of years back as far as real estate investors that you and I know, David, that we work with on a consistent basis. They started to really go heavy on Airbnb. So I think what we're seeing now with the MTR space and could be off here, but I think that we're seeing some spillover where Brian mentioned the market is so saturated in the STR space. People might be listing their Airbnb, not getting the demand on they want. They're like, I can't rent this for 12 months. What is the other option? They end up doing some research and, and discovering Furnish Finder, discovering the MTR space in general. So I think the real reason Bigger Pockets talks about MTRs a ton. They, they just like you mentioned, David, just published a book on the topic. Every investor that I've talked to recently is starting to incorporate this as a strategy. So I think what's happened is that draw and that demand for the STR space is kind of boiled over a little bit. And that MTR space is like that perfect catch plate for that that's boiling over. Do you guys see a saturation point coming? Kind of like we felt with the short-term rental space where you log on and there's no shortage of it and, and everybody's short-term rentals are kind of cannibalizing one another in a given market. Like, Do we get to that point with midterm rentals anytime soon? Yeah, we don't get to that point with midterm rentals anytime soon. Um, although right now, uh, in 2023, early 2023, we're looking at 200,000 properties. That's nothing compared to what Airbnb has. So there's tons of growth and opportunities for the midterm rental space. And as you, you mentioned, it is very fairly new um, and emerging as the opportunity. But I think that's what we're seeing right now. On the short-term rental space is, um, you know, hitting that inflection point to where it's like, okay, in 2020, 2021, 2022, it was set it and forget it. It was on autopilot. Like if if I was an Airbnb host in the last two and a half, three years, cruise control, and I'm making bank, mm -hmm. right? Um, but, uh, things are changing right now. So the occupancy rate is going down. Your competition is going up. So what do you do? Are you lowering your rate to be more competitive? Are you investing in experiences? Are you investing in, um, you know, are you being, you have to do something different, right? And one of those things to be different is to diversify and list on Furnish Finder, but other things are you could be different as is lower your price, which is never great, but you could also say, Hey, look at all these things. Or I've, you know, now we have some other options, you know, we got a jacuzzi or anything else to bring 
the looks or, or differentiate your property from, from all of that competition. So I could see at some point, and I already see a lot of competition within the midterm rental space, but think of it this way, like, you know, where an Airbnb might get booked. Well, it's going to be pretty much ready to go in five days, right? Whereas a furnished finder property is if it's booked, it might not be uh, ready to turn around until summer. You've mentioned a couple times things are changing, right? What what are some of those changes you're seeing? It sounds like they're kind of swinging in your favor, but what are some of those changes and what do you attribute those changes to? I mean, we're we're seeing uh, the length of stay increase in even in short-term rentals. Over the last couple of years, um you can see it through some of Jamie Lane's uh posts and all of his information uh, air DNA, which is fantastic. You can see a lot of you could see just the the average length of stay increasing. We speculate about what what that what's driving it, but ultimately it's not a short term you know one quarter two quarter trend you know to to the point now where I believe it was Q four last year twenty twenty two up to almost twenty five percent of Airbnb's stays are thirty days and greater. So that's that, you know, the length of stay is definitely creeping up, which, you know, that's telling us kind of that, that we're in the right market and right in the right space. Other than that, I mean, I would, I would just, you know, for as investors, you're just going to have to be real meticulous about the deals that, that you accept as well. Um, Yes. Midterm rentals is another uh, quiver or arrow in your quiver, but yeah, absolutely. You're going to have to really, hone in your, your deal-making skills and doing your numbers and, and, and all of that to make sure that it's financially going to work. Brian, I'd like to ask a few more questions about Furnish Finder as the platform and a little bit about the competitive landscape maybe that exists with Airbnb. I know they kind of creep into that space as well. But before we do, I'm really interested to kind of round out this topic for some of the investor or borrowers that are listening. Could you reach into your experience and share maybe one of your older properties that what the economics would look like from a long-term basis versus how you saw the ROI change when you transitioned it to a furnished finder midterm rental basis. Can you just walk us through an actual number scenario of what can you expect to make on a midterm rental as it relates to a long-term rental? Um, I think you guys might even be better at that than I would be, but I mean, depending on what you can get in your area, it's generally accepted that you can get a one X or one and a half X over what you would get in a traditional rental doing, Hmm. doing it midterm. And with Airbnb, I mean, you could probably get two X, right? But it comes at the risk of lower occupancy uh, as well, because you're not going to fill it all of the time where with midterm rentals, it's very possible to maybe only have out of the whole year a week or so of downtime. Got it. So just to translate that, if I'm an investor in Cleveland, let's say market rent for long term is a thousand. If I'm doing a midterm rental, I can expect maybe somewhere between fifteen hundred to two thousand. And then on the short term rental space, maybe it's two thousand to twenty five hundred. Does that sound about right? Yep, that sounds about right. Okay. And the main the main difference from an expense side between a long-term rental and midterm rental, 
would be just the utility carry, correct? So typically in a, in a midterm rental space, while you are getting 1500 or 2000 in that example I shared, you are covering the cost of utilities, which is a little bit different than most long-term situations, but yep. typically the revenue would outweigh that. Yeah, indeed. Um, yeah, nobody wants to come in and especially for a short period of time, have to establish utilities and, and all of that. So when you're listing on a platform like Furnish Finder, it's expected that all utilities are included and uh, the properties are furnished. Uh, of course, uh, other fees sim- like uh, cleaning fee, reasonable cleaning fees expected, maybe an application fee. Um, I mentioned earlier tenant screening, uh, which we highly recommend. So all of these other little things that more like onboarding fees, those are accepted, widely accepted. But yeah, utilities are, are definitely uh, expected to be in the rent. One last thing to notice, that's more of a hidden expense that you alluded to earlier, Brian. I, I think what people in, in the midterm rental space have seen is the properties tend to get taken care of a lot better, just given the guest treats it more as a hotel type experience because they know they're not there for a long period of time. So they're a little bit lighter on the wear and tear. If you're a travel nurse or travel uh, medical professional, you're working 12-hour shifts, so you're probably spending most of the time back at the place sleeping. So you're not really you know, throwing parties or, or doing anything that a long-term tenant might be doing. So there's a soft cost baked in there as well that you might not be doing as many repairs or maintenance calls to the property as you would for a 12 month. Yep. And, you know, we've seen it uh, in, in our rentals as well. You know, we've had, you know, zero evictions. So it's just, it's a practically a non thing. And I really haven't even heard, and I've heard, we've got so many stories. We're on season three of our mm. own podcast and Nobody's talking about something like that. So the risk is really low in terms of like eviction, but in terms of, yeah, the length of stay and the quality of tenant, again, it's kind of like the best of both worlds where you're getting uh, Mm. really good tenants because they're there to work. And when they're done with their projects, they go home. Um, And again, they're not there to party. A lot of times they don't know anybody in town. So they're just looking to explore, you know, and go check things out and, and crash and binge some, you know, TV and do it all over again yeah. the next day, you know? Sounds like yeah. the best kind of tenant. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Brian, transitioning to to Furnish Finder as a as a software, as an interface. So if I'm someone who wants to go list a property that I have with Furnish Finder, what is my experience as someone that's listing with you guys and how does that differ from maybe an Airbnb or a Zillow.com type listing service? Yeah, I appreciate that. So it's really easy to list on Furnish Finder. And the big difference is that we're a no booking fleet, no booking fee platform. So there are no booking fees. Um, I think it's up to something like 18% um, when it comes to, you know, at the end of the day when you're booking an Airbnb. We just think there's a better way. Mm. We just think that landlords, uh, especially in the midterm sector, they, they want uh, more control of who they rent to and travelers don't want to be paying 18% on top of everything else. I mean, it's just going to get more expensive. So we took the opposite approach. Um, it's cost, it costs $99 to list. So if it's just $99 to list on furnish finder and that's for 12 months. So any Airbnb host right now is going, okay, what's the catch? Because it'll cost $99 for a three-night stay, which is true. Um, 
and, and, you know, I'd argue, well, we want to get a lot of properties on our platform and that price point, that low price point probably is working since we have over 200,000 properties already on there. It's a paper listing. There's no booking fees. You get tenant leads and then um, you reach out to the tenant leads. So there's a couple different types of tenant leads where it could be a, a direct message or a booking inquiry. That's where somebody goes in and physically goes to your listing and, and says, hey, I want, I'm interested in booking this property. Um, the second is a housing request. So, you know, there may be a travel manager that, that's working for a corporate housing company or within a corporation, or it could be the traveler, the, the stipend traveler themselves. They put in a housing request and we match them with properties in the mm. area. Um, and then the other is a kind of an unmatched request. So you, you can still see what, even though your property didn't match what they're looking for, you could still see it. And if you think you're able to adjust what you have and go, well, I could, I think I could make that work. You're still, you're getting leads three different ways on our platforms. And then essentially you will go ahead and secure that tenant, however you want. So it's not a closed platform where you have to talk on furnish finder. Um, you can, you know, you can take them offline, you can text them, um, and start, uh, communicating with them that way, uh, if you would like. And, um, yeah, so those are some of the differences and, uh, hopefully that answered your question or partly. It absolutely did. And I, I think what's really unique about what you guys do that a lot of your customers probably really appreciate is you ask for the specific criteria of the property. You also ask the person looking for housing for their specific criteria so if it's not a match, you're able to very quickly identify why it's not a match. So if my listing is 2000 a month and I have someone who's not a match, but they're close and it says, hey, their, their budget's 1500 I know how to make my sale now. I'm right. not trying to reach out and sell against myself for maybe they didn't like the backyard. Maybe they didn't like the access to the garage. It's right. like, I know exactly what I need to change yeah. or what I need to negotiate to close the deal. And I think that's really unique about what you guys do. Thanks. I, I have a, a funny story is that when, when we first started, my wife is the co-founder of the company, Lisa. She had a, a two-bedroom place and we we're getting married. And she says, well, let's just put, our, the, put the condo up on Craigslist. I go, furnished? She goes, yeah, furnished. See what happens, right? And we started getting you know, contacted that way. But we would leave it up. We would leave the ad up on Craigslist, even though we had a tenant, because we wanted mm -hmm. to see the true demand. We wanted to see all the leads. Just show me all the leads. And then we, we really have a good idea of, of the demand for midterm rentals in our market. And that market was Bakersfield, California. Uh, that's where we started. We're now out of Denver. But yeah, so now you don't have to leave your lead up and uh, say, no, mm -hmm. we have a property. When you don't, you, you get it all on Furnish Finder. I like it because you've you've kind of taken the, some of those like, you know, under the table kind of backdoor transactions off the table, right? It's like, hey, we, we just become a marketplace where you can list your property and gain traction on it and gain leads. And like, you don't have to play games about circumventing the system. Like, you're welcome to do that. We're, we're just a platform for you to get some exposure to your property. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of our customers do too. We're making major improvements uh, this year to the site, to the flow, onboarding, lead process, messaging. French Finders are going to be going into um, Canada and UK as well. So that's really exciting wow. um, sometime this year. 
and um, we have an app that that landlords can download and and just uh, manage their leads that way. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of exciting things going on uh, at Furnish Finder, but we're real focused in uh, on building our base and getting more tenants through the door for our, our landlords. So we're really expanding that tenant base and, and really introducing ourselves to other industries that ultimately need uh, monthly furnished rentals. Along those same lines, I mean, are there any, uh, you know, future looking two years, three years, five years down the road, uh, additional product offerings or service offerings, or is it, hey, grow the existing platform uh, and, and kind of grow your your depth and your yeah. breadth of that? Or, or are you actually going to expand into some other areas? Yeah, we're pretty scrappy. So, I mean, we're we're really hands-on and, and our feet are on the ground looking. We're listening to what our customers are saying online and, and telling us through the, through the platform. Um, we have a, a big community of about at least a half a million people that are continually feeding us information and whether it's good or bad, like we want to know it so we can improve. So yeah, I mean, we're uh, short of like um, expanding to the moon or, you know, any big uh, type of, yeah, it's possible, right? Come on. Um, I mean, yes, we definitely have talked about grand plans, but ultimately it's just not who we are. We focus in on, Hey, let's just make sure we're the best for our customers. And we haven't raised our prices since 2014. I mean, it's been the same. Wow. Yeah, it's been the same um, strategy, the same business plan. Just want to get the word out there more and just be a good resource for landlords and travelers. So, Brian, I want to give you an opportunity to, to plug a couple different ways that people can learn more about Furnace Finder and get in touch with you. Yeah, thanks for that. The podcast is called Landlord Diaries. Landlord Diaries by Furnish Finder. And so I would take a look at that and then uh, check out our site at FurnishFinder.com. Awesome. awesome. Brian, we, we appreciate you sharing all the industry knowledge with us. Like we said, this has been a requested episode. People want to learn more about the MTR space. I think the demand you guys are seeing speaks volumes about how much people are interested. So appreciate you uh, coming on and dropping some wisdom for the people that are interested in Fund That Flip and hopefully Furnish Finder. Absolutely, guys. Really appreciate you. Thank you very, very, very much. Great having you again, Brian. Uh, I will go ahead and sign us off. So for Brendan Bennett, for Brian Payne, I am David Dugan. Thank you again for uh, tuning in to another episode of Real Estate Investing Unscripted. We'll see you next time. This podcast is brought to you by your friends at Fund That Flip and produced by Converso. Fund That Flip is here for real estate investors all over the U.S. We are the premier hard money lender connecting active investors to passive ones through crowdfunded loans in order to make real estate investing accessible to everyone. We believe providing transparency into our process as well as research and resources for investors at every stage, we can open up the world of REI to more people and help small businesses everywhere transform their communities and make an impact on their neighborhoods. Learn more at fundthatflip.com. Make sure to rate us and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and find us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube.